I just wanted to quickly put you guys on blast because last time we recorded, you guys did the time dot is snaps before you hit record. We must have done it and then had the audio problems or something. Yeah, it must have been something weird well, like that. That's so actually the audio tracks. If you go listen to them, has me being like, "All right, we're gonna do this." Yep. Yeah, okay. Great. And then like we do the time dot is snaps, and then like thirty seconds later, your audio tracks starts, oh, shit. which took me so long to figure out when I was syncing the track. Were we on like time dot or something like that? Is that what happened? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like the Bizarro World time dot yeah, 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 yeah. and nothing got through. Time dot uh. isn't. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, that's funny, dude. Should I start recording now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a slightly tired laugh. <laughs> This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world, a world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. G'day, and welcome to HTWLA. It's a bloody true blue dinky die Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the Curio Network. I'm, as always, your two feet on the red soil of the WA Outback, True Blue looking up at the Southern Cross Dungeon Master, Ben McAllister. And I'm Pickle Sandwich, Jackson Newsom. <laughs> I'm your uh, regular old servo meat pie with a oh. jockey milk and a <laughs> packet of Darry's Thomas oh. Allen. Oh. And, uh... Guess I'm just a case of VB, Grace Chapel. Oh, <laughs> oh, a slab of the old yeah. Vic. Yeah. <laughs> I once made a fake ad for VB that was frankly haunting. <laughs> Your first three years at like, university. <laughs> I will also say, Tom, that a servo pie and a chalky milk, until you added the pack of Darius, I was like, oh, that, that is Thomas Owen's brand. eleven to 2014. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to come up with any way to make it, like, even more Aussie. And I was like, at least Dari as a word. You know, I know that, I know cigarettes have gone international at this point, but... Um, <laughs> Did you see that thing that was, like, someone tweeted being like, Mike Bloomberg spent $500 million on advertising and that sort of thing. There are 397 Americans. He could have given us all $1 million each. I really would have preferred that. And then on fucking, like, cable news, they were like, did you see this tweet? Like, isn't that amazing? A million dollars for every American. And, like, they just, no one had done the math. And I was like, that's not what this means. Like, 
There's been some very good Twitter in the last few months, I it's must been say. Good. Some would say it's the only the only salvation of the past few months. There's been My, a very good Twitter. Michael Bloomberg's comparison to cats as just like a multi-million dollar oh, exercise in self-embarrassment. Bloomberg is clearly like a financial sub and Elizabeth Warren is his dom. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, you're going to blow $500 million, you fucking idiot. <laughs> anyway, shall we go to a magical land where there are no political... Well, that's not really true. <laughs> There's no politics here. Yeah, there's no 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 political problems in the beautiful land of Carthus. Oh, yeah. They fixed them with all the magic. <laughs> yeah. It's a little over a thousand years prior to the events that we've been following, and a group of twelve people, twelve powerful magic users, and twelve best friends are gathering in a small basin, containing a spring and enclosed by a mountain range. We see faces that we recognize from our hero's visions, notably Dandelar, Davar, Elva, and Maleficus, and the rest of the Cine are there too. We see a stocky, powerful-looking man wearing some now-familiar metallic gloves. It's Analor, the great Cine builder. Maleficus calls the group to order. This is the place, he explains. The place where the channels of natural magical energy on this planet converge. Where reality is thinnest, and where the connection to the other planes is strongest. This is the place, he tells them, where they will do their greatest works yet. He places a hand on Analor's shoulder. It's time to begin the excavation. With a sense of optimism pervading the group and eleven incredibly powerful beings standing behind him, Analor takes a deep breath, cracks his knuckles, and turns to face the mountains, which he will soon bend to his will. Now, a millennium later, Maleficus sits alone in the product of those efforts and waits impatiently. Reality is thin down here. He can feel the other planes close at hand. He especially feels the plane of raw, magical power, and he hungers for it. He's waited so long. He knows that beginning the ritual to connect with that power without all the pieces isn't without danger. But he also knows that he alone, the great Maleficus, can do it. The time is nearly here. Can I go and change into something a bit lighter really quickly? Okay. I'm so sorry. All right, we're going oh, to be able to hear me. the difference on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worry yeah, it's going to sound different. I'm my shirt. I mean, Grace, if you can do it in two minutes, go ahead. She's already... She's a, she's a wild spirit, that girl. She left as soon... She, she didn't wait for permission. She just left, so... So it was really more of a rhetorical question. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
Okay, so you guys are in the command tent of Elena and her uh, intelligence faction, and you've just been interrogating this sorcerer from the Carthen military who was detached uh, or attached at Snakesbane Spring. This sorcerer, whose name you never asked, but who I'm going to tell you is Shartan. And uh, then... <laughs> That's a vibe of a name, dude. Picturing you sitting there waiting for us to ask. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. Wait, finally yeah. one that doesn't rhyme with one of the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his name's... Um, Poon Khan. <laughs> I would love a uh, a gun Khan alternate model that's like the same character but just he's two <laughs> but uses a gun. <laughs> he has two big assault rifles and goes around shooting things. That's actually who Daniel Radcliffe plays in the now notorious film Guns Akimbo. Right, of course. Guns aside, uh, you guys are standing in the command tent. You've you've knocked out Shatan, and what were you going to do with him? You were, you were either going to like leave him in the room unconscious, or you were going to hide him or something. Because the detachment from the Eastern League, headed up by Commander Jathra, is arriving, and Elena and her friends have just left the tent to go greet them. And you guys are standing in the tent. What are you doing? Put a bag on his head. <laughs> yeah, you already did that. He's got a bag on his head. No, he's double bag. I can't see him. (laughs) Double bag him. (laughs) I mean, uh, I guess I was going to say like invisibility would only would work, but it only only lasts for a minute, and then all of a sudden this bound prisoner (laughs) would just pop into the room. That's no good. I could transform him. I could polymorph him into like a mug (laughs) (laughs) for an hour. Uh, Why why don't you just move him? Ben, no, I'm a magic user. I don't move people. Yeah, we're in the finale, baby. This is the end game. All the all yeah. the crazy things that the fans have been wanting. Like, when's she gonna turn someone into a mug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They've been waiting for this since Age of Ultron. Yeah, Druzzy yeah. burning a fourth level spell slot to turn a man into a mug. <laughs> Consider it done, Ben. I, and also, this is going to be a great moment to come back to in the finale where, like, Druzzy is completely <laughs> oh, out of spells. Yeah. <laughs> There's a mug on the table and yeah. she kills the villain with a mug. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, she breaks the yeah. mug and it becomes a person. Totally. Absolutely. Okay, so just going just gonna to clarify, you can only transform him into a beast whose challenge rating is less than or equal to his challenge rating. I mean, I've had a lot of tea. Some of those mugs Damn can it. be real beasties. <laughs> beast of a mug. <laughs> yeah, so just turn him into, like, a little rat. And then put him in a box. <laughs> He'll still be unconscious, um, right? Can I you know, turn him into just... a snail? So he can't get away? <laughs> a snail's allowed. Yeah. Turn him into a snail? Okay, fine. You transform him into a snail with Thank two you. bags on its head. <laughs> and uh, where do you put the snail? Put it in your pocket. Anyone got a pocket? I don't like snails. <laughs> <laughs> This is why I said rat. They're dry. <laughs> yeah, but then it'll scurry <laughs> off. No, oh, he's unconscious. Not for long. <laughs> well, I mean... Like D3 hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably longer no, than the duration like, of this spell. Let me, let me tell you guys, when I planned this session, I was like, they're going to spend 20 minutes wondering what to do with the unconscious body of a sorcerer. <laughs> <laughs> you finally got it, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, your estimates are... How quickly different. could we dig? What if we bury him? No! Uh, <laughs> die! Okay, I put the snail in my pocket. Gross. gross. Um, yeah, okay, so Drassi has an unconscious lean snail against me. in her pocket. <laughs> yeah. That used to be delicate hunch. You could just crush. Would he then no, would return to human form? He would. Bursting out of your clothing. He would return to human form. <laughs> 
Okay, so Jazzy has an unconscious snail in her hip pocket, and <laughs> then it's not long before the tent uh, flies open, and you see standing there Elena, of course, and just behind her is a dwarf woman wearing plate armor who has a kind of perplexed scowl on her face as she strides into the tent behind Elena and says, Well, you've certainly set things up pretty nicely for yourself, haven't you? And she casts her eye across the three of you and says, So you'd be Duncan, Jody, and Drasilia then? Not sure who you are. And she turns to Elva and Valeria, who uh, shortly introduce themselves. God, I wish I had that sort of anonymity. <laughs> <laughs> I will say also... Uh, that it is now early evening, just so you're aware. And uh, Jathra strides imperiously into the room and takes a seat comfortably. And she says, You've got an hour, Elena. Um, I'm not exactly sure why I'm here. We came here mostly out of uh, faith that you might have something to tell us. So let's hop to it. And Elena and Persimmon and Melchior regain their seats on the far side of the table inside this command tent. What are you guys doing, by the way? Are you just, like, standing around? I think just, like, the coolest team pose you can imagine. I think we're just... Like, <laughs> <laughs> what does that Charlie's look like? Angels. What does that look yeah. like? What does that look like? You're doing it, Charlie's Angels. Who's where? We're all everywhere. That's the confusing bit. Yeah. So you're just constantly moving around in the angel pose. Yeah. Okay. And Brazilia's um, like, don't touch my leg! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear 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 me uh okay so as you guys are moving around in this uh charlie's angels maneuver you would spy through the flap into the tent that the famous faces of hollywood christopher walken and rebel wilson and whoever else i introduced that i can't remember who were the the faces of the soldiers in this camp are all kind of like eyeing off this contingent of armed and armoured Eastern League soldiers that is kind of like standing in the in the camp outside while this little powwow takes place. There's a little bit of a, a tense standoff vibe. And Elena says, We brought you here, Jathra, because we have a proposition for you. And she says, Well, yeah, I mean, I assumed you didn't just bring me here to catch up. So I'm a busy lady. We're we're trying to win a war here. So let's let's get to it. Spit it out. And Elena looks over at the three, and in fact five of you with Elva and Valeria. I think while you're doing your team pose, they're just kind of standing there looking embarrassed. Yeah, the six of you, in fact. Yeah, she pulls out the Marauders map and is like, "Who's bloody?" Um, Elena says, "Well, um, I guess I'll let you guys explain." And uh, Jathra turns her attention in your direction. <clears throat> Drusilia takes the piece from her staff, holds it out in her palm, and says, I think you know what this is. Jathra eyes you hard for a minute, and then says, <laughs> Go on, Tom, get, get, get your giggles out, mate. What was that about, you little bloody drongo? <laughs> <laughs> What, what are you giggling about? Uh, don't know, mate. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. I guess, guess you must have, must have said something funny, mate. Made one of your jokes. She eye fucks you hard for a minute. Jesus. Hey. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then says, maybe I do. Maybe 
you think you know what this is. An intellectual vice you put them in. You know what? Take an insight check for me. It's bad. I got no insight. That's a two. <laughs> okay. I will say you see her cast a quick sidelong glance at Elena, and she says, Go on then, get to the point. What about it? What do you know about these things that I don't? Elva, perhaps you would like to. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, passing the buck back to the DM. All right, let's just have a conversation with myself for a little while, shall we? <laughs> I just Josie just doesn't want to, you know, assume that she knows more than the, the right, bloody, uh, right, right. Doesn't want to mansplain about. Yeah, doesn't want to sinesplain. Do <laughs> uh, Elva says, "What do you know of these items?" Well, I mean, obviously we know they're powerful. Obviously we know fucking everyone and their dog seems to want them. And we know they can be used to access certain areas that you can't access without them. To tell you the truth, we knew a lot more about them before our best scholar studying them decided to fuck off to Carthus. And she kind of turns in the direction of Elena again. And uh, Elena just kind of like sheepishly smiles but get to the point. What about them? Clearly you know something about them. Why am I here? You're wasting my time. We're not wasting your time. We're saving your life. We're saving fucking everything. Okay. Then spill. And Valeria chimes in and says, What you've said about these items, we call them pieces, is true. It's true they're powerful. It's true everybody seems to want them. But there's more to it than that. There's, they're not just powerful, Jathra. They're dangerous. Dangerous how? And Valeria says, well, how much, how much are you telling her? Like, if no one's telling Valeria to stop talking right now, like, what's, what's, what's being relayed? Like, what's the, what's the way you want to pitch this at Jathra? How um, much of the story does she get? Have you heard of the... Man in black traveling through these parts. The man in black? Uh, I mean, I know that Karth and military elite wear a lot of black armor. I know there's that fucking werewolf who loves it. I know there's that... Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you call her? Their officer, Esme? She's always in those black robes. But no, what are you, what are you talking about? There is a figure known as Maleficus who is conspiring with the Carthan military to collect all of these pieces. Once he has these, he will have the requisite amount of power to attempt something world-changing. Or world-destroying. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jody just, like, snaps. Like, little, like, <laughs> ooh, ooh, so, so good. Yeah. The reason why we are here today is that what we want to achieve with this potential coalition is a force that can face the Carthan military, stop this man from taking these pieces and destroying everything. So you're telling me if he gets his hand on all of these pieces, then he can destroy the world. But, well, as I can plainly see, you've got one in your hand right there, Drasilia. So um, I'm not really seeing the problem here. What we fear is that 
he doesn't need all of them to truly destroy the world. In fact, if he had them all, we would probably be safer. As the kind of magic that we fear he might try in order to use only a few of them to achieve his goals could be truly devastating. We also believe that the only way to stop this man, this figure that has existed for millennia in our perception of what time is... Wait a minute, what? Just just keep up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so talking, I, I'm talking about someone that is powerful. We are talking about the end of the world here, so let's just like stop the small questions. <laughs> there is someone, small questions like time travel. And I'm, I'm trying to keep it as relevant. We have, we have one hour, and then you know, um, yep. let's 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 not squish our snails, as is a saying. Wait a minute, so you're telling me there's some kind of fucking ancient magical being working with the Carthan military to destroy the world with these little fucking peace things? Destroy our perception of what this world is, yes. To make something more in their vision, which to us would look like fire and brimstone. And what exactly do you need me for? How do you propose I do anything about this? So here's the simple bit. We're going to go find him, no matter what you do. He beats us, he has all the pieces, and he gets to rule the world. If we don't get there in time, and he does it before we're there with only some of the pieces, he destroys the world. The third option, you help us get there in time and win, so the world stays roughly as it is, apart from the fact that you will have just knocked out a whole bunch of the Carthan military power. Wait a minute, so... Whoever has all the pieces gets to rule the world. And what happens if we defeat this Maleficus character? I suppose you've got all the pieces. What happens next? Why would I give you anything? Our intention is to destroy the pieces and prevent this from ever happening again. To um, <coughs> throw them into the place from whence they came, you might say. <laughs> we don't know how to use them anyway. He built the things. He can rule with them. We wouldn't know what the fuck we were doing. Um, Elva just sort of sheepishly hovers to the back of the crowd. (laughs) 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 And says, yeah, what he said. We'd have no idea. (laughs) And and Jathra's uh, looking around at Elena. And she says, Elena, what the fuck? Is this all true? Do you honestly expect me to believe this? And Elena says... I'm as surprised as you are, Jathra, but the reason that I left is because I knew, studying these things, that there was more to them than them just being power sources, and what they were being used for by the League was to try and, you know, generate equipment and, and win the war and, and control and fight, and I knew there was there was more going on here, but what I didn't know was that it had the potential to be so much worse, and, well, these guys here are providing us with a way to make sure that nobody uses them for evil and in the meantime help you guys win a decisive victory against the Carthan military. Yeah, let's come back to that. What do you mean about a decisive victory against the Carthan military and why would you do that at all? The werewolf who you speak of, Elena, all of the king's men who wear black, they are all in service of Maleficus. We're not saying that we necessarily want to 
you know, surrender what is Carthus to the Eastern League. And, you know, this is not defection on a statewide scale. Rather that if we do nothing, there will be nothing to fight over. She says, you know what? First things first, make a persuasion check on that. Whichever one of you is highest charisma. I think it's Brasilia. And I'm going to say, given you've all been... Yeah, I, I was going to say, given you've all been helping out, give Drazilia advantage on her persuasion oh. check. You've all been uh, working together on See persuading See how bad them. she can do. <laughs> oh, uh, fuck me. Really um, so, it's 17. Uh, 17. She says, Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, this is all a little bit over my head, you've got to understand, I don't know anything about this, but if I'm understanding you, you want to exchange our pieces, as you call them, for military information, and you want to fight together against the werewolf. What does that look like? I need a bit more. We know the whole military layout of his installation, where he is at the moment, how to get in, where his forces are deployed inside the structure. We know it all. We can... Serve him up to you, and we'll be there fighting alongside you. We want your pieces, and we want you to attack with us. Or rather, we'll attack with you for the pieces. (laughs) 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 It's all about the spin, guys. (laughs) Yes, spin Dr. Druzzy, high charisma. I love that. Um, She takes a look at Elena, and she looks back at you guys, and she says, Well... I've got a little bit of bad news for you. I don't know how many of these pieces you think we have, but, uh... Well, remember when I said I knew everyone and their dog seemed to want them? We had a bit of a skirmish with the forces of the werewolf a couple weeks back and, uh... Lost one of them. So... We've just got the one right now, and we've been using it to get around in that creepy fucking black space, but our capacity to maneuver around the Ashwood has been significantly impinged upon. It's part of the reason that we had been winning the war recently and until that moment. So the value of these things, tactically speaking, is not completely lost on us. But with just the one of them, if we could exchange that for extremely valuable tactical information. Well, and Elena says, you always told me that the way we won this war was with tactics and technology, not with magic. And Jathra says, so if you still want to do this deal for one piece, maybe we can make something happen. Just quickly then, does that mean if we do this, the camel, how many do we, how many pieces do we have again? Are we at six or seven? I think you've got eight, and if I'm not mistaken, you thought that Esme and Maleficus had one, had one each, and the Eastern League had two. Great, okay, which so nine three. That's not bad. Yeah. Um. Yes. Let's try and let's make this work. Let's make a deal. <laughs> um. She looks down for a minute, and then she says, "Plans on the table. Let's talk turkey. Let's see the pace. Fair enough." 
and uh, she calls out to a page standing just outside the tent uh, who heads over to someone in the baggage train and comes back with a uh, small locked box, which she uh, gets a key out uh, from around her neck and undoes this small box, and sitting inside on just like a, a small white pillow is indeed a single piece. She says, there it is, so I've shown you mine. And uh, closes the box back up and puts the key back and locks it back up and uh, gives it back to the page who runs. I love this um, NPC PC romance speedrun you're doing uh, between the two big dwarfs. Yeah, <laughs> you can basically hand that over. You can roll the map out on the table with you know Jathra and Elena and Persimmon and Melchior and the five or six of you, depending on how you like to think about it, standing around. Uh, she says, "Okay, so what's the plan? We've got forces of about." 400 here. If I'm understanding your map here, we're a little bit outgunned as far as uh, the forces inside Snakesbane Spring are concerned. So what are we doing? We're going to take them by surprise. The element of surprise. <laughs> Go on, I'm listening. How are we surprising them? What do you want to do? We know, we know like where the forces are distributed on the map. We know that there's two sort of secretish entrances, one into the town proper where most of the forces are stationed that's a little bit wider and one that's kind of like a squeeze passageway down into the quarry and the entrance to the mine. You send 100 to attack the front gate. Have them looking that way. You send your other 300 in the secret route into the body of the town, where they'll come upon about 50 and the werewolf. Cut the head off the snake, and then pince them over the ones defending the gate. That may or may not draw about 30 to 40 more defenders up from the mine. Whether or not it does, we will go in at the mine level and deal with whoever's there. Valeria taps you on the shoulder and says, If they're attacking the werewolf in the main part of town... What about Garrick? They can bring him out. Jathra says, are we talking about prisoner recovery here? Yeah. Well, they've got a few of our own in there, more than likely, based on the the skirmish we had a couple of weeks ago. Find any prisoners, bring them out. (laughs) Even Carthen prisoners. Who'd have thought it had come to this? And um, Elva chimes up and says... The moment we commence the attack, Maleficus will hear and he'll almost certainly begin his plan. Timing is critical. If he commences his ritual, we won't have long to stop it. Do we have any walkie-talkies that aren't compromised? You have no real way of knowing which are mm. and aren't compromised. I mean, you know, your sending stones were, 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 you know, Garrick had one, so presumably they've got one of those. But also, um, Jathra says, I reckon we can probably scrounge up a few sending stones. I mean, we don't know whether or not they've been listened to, so as I'm sure you understand, we typically speak in code over them, but mm. we can wrestle you up one. Should we try for those of us who are heading for the mine to sneak in first before the main attack is launched. Yeah. Mm. And then at the side of any yeah, alarm that, that uh, commences yeah. the attack, but if not, we can just try and sneak through. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. We'll sneak in. We'll all have walkie-talkies from yep. them, and we'll all coordinate so that it all starts at the same time. 300 into the town, 100 at the gate, and us into the bottom all okay. at the same time. She says... Those hundred at the gate are likely to be slaughtered quickly, Duncan. 
Have you fought a war before? I think you can tell I have. Then what are you saying to me? She says nothing, and Elena says instead, we can bolster that number a little bit. We don't have 400 troops, but we have a few that we can send along with your uh, frontal assault. Okay, Elva says, we need to consider the fact that Maleficus has no incentive to keep all of his pieces together. He only needs some of them in order to commence things. He'll believe he's capable of doing it with just one. His hubris was always his downfall. And as she says his as uh, as she says his hubris was always his downfall, you guys remember the title of a book that you read in a library inside Sanctuary months ago called The Hubris of Maleficus the Lies. And, uh, Wait, so is Elva calling back to a book that she wrote? Like just kinda like <laughs> It's get, get, uh, she's getting him back into the uh, the conversation, you know. She's trying yeah, to, she's uh, trying to know, boost up those Kindle shares. sales. Exactly. Buy the exactly. hubris of the Malefagus the Wise on yeah. Kindle Store now. Will seize the crucible itself. And then if not all the pieces are there, we'll go looking through the battlefield. It is also worth noting that I remarked on the the, the, the benefit of being anonymous, I suppose, or the um the idea of not having many people know your name within the kingdom and trying to hunt you down, but those faces do mean something. If if they know that we are on the field to play, Esme will not be able to resist, nor will the werewolf. We are we are the targets. And Fuck so yeah. We will draw them. Jody's like, they will come to us. <laughs> we will build the assault and they will come. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's um, baseball, baby. Oh, I love that. I love that fucking confidence from Jody. Uh, Elva says, Okay, there's just one more thing. The sorcerer that we interrogated mentioned potential magical barriers on the entrance to the mine. I'll need to get a look at those as quickly as possible. We won't have long. I should be able to get rid of them, or at least modify them enough, but we'll need to get there ASAP. Then with that, Jathra says, now that I know what the intel you're offering is, and, and now that I can see the shape of this plan, why should I trust that when you've got all the pieces in your hands, you aren't just going to do, well, either what this Maleficus guy is trying to do, or whatever the fuck with those pieces, and rule the world, as you say? We all have intelligence of eight. <laughs> <laughs> We're just not smart enough. Hang on, have they not handed over the piece? I think it's probably, like, sitting on the table in, in its box. Duncan takes the box. We want to work with these people. <laughs> yeah, as you reach over to take the box, she puts out her hand and just says, Hey now, I just asked you a simple question. The fact that you think you don't have an answer to it is a little bit concerning to me. And I think there's this moment where Duncan and Jathra are kind of, like, both have a hand on the box. And she says, How do I know I can trust you guys? not to use these things for the same kind of evil you claim to be trying to prevent? Honestly, it's a pretty good question. (laughs) Uh, Valeria chimes in and says, The way I see it, there are two possibilities for you. You either don't believe us about Maleficus and these pieces and their true potential, in which case you don't have much to lose by giving yours up. Sure, you might lose a nice tactical item, but you'll also win a decisive battle. Or you do believe us in which case, if you're smart, you know you have no choice but to trust us. You simply have to take the chance. 
If we don't stop Maleficus and destroy the pieces, our entire plane of existence remains in great peril. And if we turn and try the same kinds of evil Maleficus is trying now, then, well, nothing's really different, is it? You've received your part of the deal. You don't now get to withhold your contribution to this deal. I think Jody probably steps forward and is like, you can hear the um, the frustration in my companion's voice and that sort of thing, but that frustration is born from pain and from from the trauma of having to, to fight this fight for so long. All of us have been affected in unbelievably horrible ways by Maleficus, by these pieces. Everything we have done over these last few months has been to protect people from that happening ever again. You can see it in our faces. The stench of that death is on all of us, and so trust us when we say we're not in this for glory, we're not in this for for power. It is, we're in it for an end. We just want it to end. I think Jathra looks over at Elena with her hand on the box, and then she looks back around at the three of you, and she sees Jody's face in a picture of, I guess, earnest distress. And and then she says, oh, I guess we've all got to take risks at some point. And she takes her hand off the box, and uh, Duncan can slide it back over to his side of the table. And I open the box and I take the piece. <laughs> Uh, okay, everybody. Planning session is over. The only decision <laughs> you need to make is... It's it's sort of like early evening now. Are you attacking in the twilight or are you attacking first thing in the morning? As much as I would love to rest and regain my spell slots, um, especially that polymorph one, <laughs> um, I think time is of the essence. We can't risk yeah. moving forward. We have to attack now as soon as possible. So Drazi says this, and yep. what does everyone else say? I mean, I'm down five hit points, but that's all I would regain from a rest, so I'm on board with that. If, if we attack at night, and they don't know we're coming, and they don't know how many of us there are, and they don't know where we're coming from, that will only serve us. We know where yep. they're laid out. The harder it is for them to ascertain what we're doing and who we are, then the more we benefit. Uh, okay, great. Elena uh, says, okay, I guess we should all take as little time as possible to, to get ourselves ready and prepare, and then we should start rolling out. And you guys can take some time to prepare, but before we do that, very quick speed round level up, baby, for making the plan! We're going into the final assault at oh level 17. Let's make it magic. Heyo, it's me, your penultimate partner, and your dungeon master, Big B. Just checking in on you in the middle of the show, as per usual. Uh, thanks so much, as always, for listening to Chapter 60. We sure hope you're enjoying it, and really, honestly, thanks for sticking with us all this time. We sincerely, honestly appreciate you. 
I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is the second last main story chapter for this campaign. The show will go on, as we've said, in a form to be announced soon. Uh, safe to say we'll be sticking to D&D, but shaking a few things up. At this point, there may or may not be a short kind of epilogue, wrap-up transition chapter after the next one, so uh, stay tuned about that too. Believe it or not, this is a fantastic time to tell a friend about the show or share it on social media and help us try and get a few people on board for the thrilling conclusion of this story that we've just had so much fun bringing to you for the last, what, two and a half years? Um, anyway, I'll save the more sentimental wrap-up-y stuff for next time, but for now, uh, get out there, talk to or about us on social media, we'd love to hear from you, and as always, think about leaving us a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this. Um, thanks as always for listening, I won't take up any more of your time, uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Well, I already know what the fuck I'm taking, so forget about it. Huh? Um, do you hit die? Yeah, hit die roll. Give me, which one's Jody? D8. D8 for Jody? Yep. I love it. A date, a date for Jode. Alrighty. Um, I will take yours. I got a five. Oh, I got a one, so thank God. Oh, good. A big improvement over a one. Uh, Drazilia, <laughs> D6, D6. Let me take mine. What did you get? Five. Fuck me! Five or six every time! Yep. Every single time! And that's the last yeah. time! That's the last one! <laughs> <laughs> Thank beefy, you. beefy Drazzy. Um, okay. Uh, Duncan, D10. I'm going to take yours. Seven. Nice, I rolled a two. Okay, very good. So Drazzy's going to get some spells, I guess. Yeah, one spell. Okay, what is it? Wish. Oh, fuck. Okay, so Drazzy's a quick level up. Drazzy takes the spell wish. Grace, do you want to quickly read the spell wish for the fans? Um, yes. You can do something else while I find it. Yep. You also get a metamagic feature. Uh, I guess that means, yeah, you, you gain another metamagic feature. Our proficiency is up as well, as well, hey. We're all plus one on proficiency as well. Yeah, your proficiencies also all go up, which means all of your to hits are going to go up oh, uh, by shit. plus one. What? Yep. So you're getting a little bit of a power up before the final assault. Um, Drazzy, you gain a metamatic feature, you should only have four. Of careful spell, distant spell, empowered spell, extended spell, heightened spell, quickened spell, subtle spell, oh. and twin spell. Maybe extended spell. Sounds good. Long spell. Extended? That's yeah, long spell. <laughs> yep, sure. So you can double the duration of a spell for one sorcery point. That's a double, like, coffee mug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, do you want to hear Wish? Yeah, read Wish <clears throat> to the people. Wish is the mightiest spell a mortal creature can cast. Hey! By simply speaking aloud, you can alter the very foundations of reality in accord with your desires. The basic use of this spell is to duplicate, duplicate any other spell of 8th level or lower. You don't need to meet any requirements in that spell, including costly components. The spell t- simply takes effect. Alternatively, you can create one of the following effects of your choice. You can create one object of up to 25,000 gold pieces in value. Fuck me, I know what Drazzy's going to be doing. <laughs> um, you can allow up to 20 creatures that you see to regain all hit points and end all effects on them described in the Greater Restoration spell. You grant up to 10 creatures that you can see resistance to a damage type of your choice. You grant up to 10 creatures you can see immunity to a single spell or other magical effects for, effects for 8 hours. Oh, that's pretty big. Yeah, but it has to be specific. Yeah. You undo a single recent event by forcing a re-roll of any roll made within the last round. Reality reshapes itself to accommodate the new result. Jesus. 
So this could be a campaign ending saving spell. Hey, it often is a campaign ending <laughs> spell. Sometimes good, yeah, sometimes Jesus. bad. You might be able to achieve something beyond the scope of the above examples. State your wish to the GM as precisely as possible. The GM has great latitude in ruling with occurrences what occurs in such an instance. So you may be able to do something else. The thing is, the stress of casting the spell often uh, causes you to take 1d10 necrotic damage per level of the spell. So you could take, you know, 9d10 necrotic damage as a result of casting this wish spell. And if you want to do something that's not a spell within the game, but instead something stronger than that, I might make it more than 9d10. We'll have to find out, won't we? Um, but, importantly, that's Drasilia. Uh, and what's happening to Jody? So, uh, yeah, we're, we're all up one on the, uh, the old proficiency, which is good. Um, Jody's fists are now dealing 1d10 damage. Nice, um, so more than his staff. More than my staff, which is kind of a shame, because I, I got all the bonuses on on the staff. If there's, a, if there's a smithy around that I can smell down to make some gloves, I will do that, and I'll not only <laughs> use this useless copper rod. Um, but yeah, so that's very strong punches now. Um, but the major thing for Jody uh, is he gets, at the 17th level, as a way of the open fist, or open palm monk, um, quivering palm. So I gained oh, the ability. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Um, I gained the ability to set up lethal vibrations in someone's body. <laughs> when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can spend three key points to start these imperceptible vibrations, which last for a number of days equal to your monk's level. The vibrations are harmless, and unless you use your action to end them, um, when you use this action, the creature must make a Constitution saving throw. If it fails, it is reduced to zero hit points. If it succeeds, it takes ten d ten necrotic damage. Yeah, nice. um, so you can just you can just kill something. <laughs> yeah, but I, I get a yeah, I get a kill basically. Um, and I was thinking, flavor wise, I'm not sure if this is what you want to do because it can definitely be a monk thing. But what with everyone being like, oh, the web, it's affecting me. Um, instead of like just being vibrations and that sort of thing, um, how would you feel if it's like a similar flavor to um, Luthor's eyeglasses, where it's like a compression of space? Um, yeah, I love that. And so you almost—it's almost like a small web-like sort of thing, and then like by ending it, it's just like contracting all that space, which like either kills them or is like a tremendous internal hemorrhage or something like that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very into that. It's like a small space contraction that he can set up using the yeah. power of the piece. Yeah, I'm I'm very into that. That's very cool. Also, I love the shout out to Luthor's eyeglasses just now, and I'm glad you remember they exist. <laughs> Dude, I I have not slept since you introduced Luthor's eyeglasses. <laughs> so you can look. Is it how how far into the future? Five can minutes you look? into the future. You look five minutes into the future, but you risk taking like tremendous crushing damage from the because it's like contracting space and also time. So cool. Yeah, Alan Z, as some might say. Anyway, that's Jody. <laughs> So that's that's Jody. Nice, nice, nice. What about Mr. Duncan? Is this a ranger or fighter level up? You said they're all ranger from now. Yeah. So where does that put you at ranger level? Um, so I'm now ranger level five. Uh, I get some new spells. Yep. So I get second level spells now. Um, yep, that's because huge. I'm a horizon walker, I get misty step automatically. And yep. I'm just figuring out what my other one will be. That's yeah, nice. really about it. Um, and misty step, what's, do you want me, do you want me to read that out? Um, misty step is a 30 foot teleportation. Great. So now you've got two teleports. I love and that. Is, is it so, a reaction as well? Uh, bonus action. Great. I I have a very tough decision ahead of me because I could get silence. 
I don't know if my caster level is going to make silence too effective against the level of wizards we're going against. Yeah, because they they have meta magical. I assume they get a save, right? Um, do they? I think you're just silent. Oh shit! Yeah. Mm. So they could dispel it, but they would have to. How yeah, they, they could dispel like, it, or they could, or they could meta magic to cast silent spell if they happen to be a sorcerer. Um, right. But so I can not do silence, everyone is. Or I could do pass without trace, which might be handy whilst we're sneaking in. Oh, that's cool. I love the idea of like Khan on the eve of battle gaining a new ability that makes it easier. Um, and I feel like pass without trace for him has got to have something to do with the web. Yeah, it also might be handy if we make it through this whole thing and then need to flee. Like the remaining king's army, if we as a team had the ability to try and mm. hide a lot more as well, <laughs> might I be a good choice in the future. I think pass without trace is going to help us a little bit more because silence. I'll get like a round before yeah. they just get rid of it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also silence could then also accidentally fuck up Druzzy as well. Yeah, silence um, is also concentration. So if you were in melee, like, and you're getting hit, you'd have to take a check every round and <laughs> to Jun keep Han the silence is up. Very ADD as well. So like, you have good luck, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I want to concentrate on Hunter's mark. Yeah, okay, it's going to be passed without trace. And Missy step, which basically means I'm just getting hell, hell light foot. Yeah. Which is not on brand for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah but it is on brand for this new ranger Duncan. I love that. Yeah. But, like, Duncan's like, learned... Maybe he's leaned up a bit. He's lost some of that booty. No, oh, no. Yeah. the butt is still magnificent. <laughs> Do you think we're looking at a... Yeah, but it, it's now it's magnificent in, like, a toned fit kind of way as opposed yeah. to just, like, a big dumper. <laughs> Yeah, he's not just a big dumper anymore. He's got an Instagram account now. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have dumps like a truck anymore. Now he's got, <laughs> now he's got dumps like... like a jet engine. The way I envisage this flavor-wise is you guys are kind of like strapping up, getting your gear organized, doing your checks on your weapons, and... Checking each other out. Yeah, yeah, checking each other out. But be like, how he do that though? <laughs> yeah, check, yeah. You guys are all standing around. The sexual tension is fucking palpable. You're just <laughs> standing around. Like, exactly. It's about to get dark, and we're gonna have to go into yeah. battle this time. Yeah, the, the the final eve of battle is this finally the time. Um. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so you guys are standing around, kind of getting ready. Is anyone doing anything in particular, or is everyone pretty focused on the task at hand? I feel like. Yeah, nah, just getting ready. Maybe we should share a beer. Oh, break out the old, uh, the beer rations. <laughs> <laughs> or a cider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Share a cider? I like that. Do you, you think there's a toast? I have uh, sanctuary ciders, I'm not wasting them. One last moment. Yeah, that's nice. I'm sure there's some ale we could probably pilfer from somewhere. I'm sure we can go to the Eastern League and like, yeah. you fucking gave us one piece. <laughs> We're gonna want a couple of barrels of ale, you fucks. <laughs> You, you can get your hand. You're in a camp with a bunch of farmers and soldiers. You can get your hands on, on a mug of ale or cider if yeah. you prefer. But but paint this scene for me. Where are you guys having this moment? Like, where are you, are you sort of in the midst of things or are you finding a moment outside of everything else? Like, what's the, what's the scene? I reckon let's find a spot by the tree line and take it all in both directions, the camp and the forest, and just find peace. For a brief, fleeting moment. Maybe we can share some of our favourite stories from the quest thus far. Yeah. And then the release after this one can just be... A flashback a, episode. Flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a recap. That's it is, just yeah. a clip show? I love when those yeah. were a thing. Hey, you, hey like, you guys remember that werebore incident and sort of thing? <laughs> Too funny. I think about the, I think about the American werebore in Paris 
all the time. <laughs> just like it was an Australian wear boring car. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's like I remember because like we that episode feels almost outside of the canon of the show. You know, what I mean? it's, it's at that early point where we were, we're not really doing much. We're still deciding what the show is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, like just kind of like, like chapter six. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And so we just kind of like. There was this like moral question that Duncan and Jody had to sort of go deal with, and Drazi was like, "I'm just chilling the camp." Like, yeah. like, <laughs> was that also when you had to fight naked? Oh, it was I around that point. Yeah, it was around that. <laughs> yeah. God, the, the title, the chapter titles used to be so strong. The importance of being Vigo when life gives you leather. An Australian werebore in Carthus. Potions eleven. Don't provoke the box. Operation Dessert Storm. The clown sled incident. <laughs> Yeah, we tried harder back then. Yeah. <laughs> the sad truth of it. We used to... Actually, that being said, I have liked the last couple. The last episode Last episode was called Off to See the Wizard, and episode four was called Pompous Whisper, which is definitely... Pompous Whisper. <laughs> Pompous Whisper is up there, I think. <laughs> okay, all right. So what are you guys... You guys are finding peace? Has anyone got any words for the party? Has anybody got any any thoughts? Any thoughts? Well, do can but... <laughs> I guess this is the end of the line, eh? I guess we don't know. Well, one way or other, it's over. And does it have to be? What, are we it breaking would, up? What's going there could be other adventures, right? Yeah, I guess somebody's still got to find the way to stop Carthus and the League fighting each other. This is... um. This has been the most worthy thing I have ever done in my life. So, thank you both. Well, uh, I guess if now's the only time to say it, you two are kind of the first friends of my whole life. So, um, it's been a real pleasure. I don't know what to say. You say the best when you say nothing at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, fucking got him, dude. (laughs) Hey, why don't you bend over and show us a tight ass? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone says nice things, and Duncan just twerks it. This is this is the all this is the all strength all calm threesome that happens before the final battle. We always know what's going. Oh god! Fucking turns around and backs it up and drops it hella low. Oh god! I I love that we had like sixteen seconds of sincerity in the show. And I'm yeah. glad that we, it was like yeah. three years of working up to that. And then, yeah, we hit it and then we quit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to make it all the, more powerful, isn't it? Just one last moment back in canon. Mm. Duncan, after probably a painful silence because the three of them don't have the silly memes we have, <laughs> Duncan just says, we're going to make it through. I promise you, there will be more adventures. Do you all like, yeah, clink glasses or yeah. whatever? Very good. I'll add like a glass clink sound effect. Hang on, let me just do it now. 
Flaggins? Yeah. yeah. Let me just Big let me just add that glass clink sound effect now. Who's there with you? Oh my god, Esme! <laughs> the fight starts now. Okay, I would like to cut to the assault is happening. You guys part ways with the forces. Uh, you see Elena and Jathra combining their armies. You can see these columns of soldiers from the league. You can see these sort of ragtag militia of farmers. And they're marching north and west towards the front and secret side entrances to Snakesbane Spring. Jathra takes a moment before departing to sort of meet up with the three of you. She says very few words, gives a curt nod, and the last thing she says is, we won't forget the service you've done to the Eastern League. And then uh, she turns around on her steed and rides away. And I wonder how Duncan in particular maybe feels about that sentiment. Um, but we, we don't need to dwell on that. Then you guys, your small contingent, Elva, Valeria, Tresilia... Duncan and Jody are moving through the woods, I imagine, pretty quietly. Elena, for what it's worth, has decided to stay behind as a kind of command centre with a few of the other sort of non-combatants. They've got uh, sending stones there so they can kind of help orchestrate things. And you're walking through the woods, these woods that Duncan knows so well surrounding Snakesbane Spring, and before too long you see the rocky outcroppings that ring the basin of the quarry coming into view ahead of you. And Duncan knows somewhere up ahead, there's a little channel, a little uh, fissure in that rocky outcropping that they're going to be able to squeeze through. And if no one says or does anything, you guys come to that outcropping and after maybe 15 minutes of trying to remind himself, Duncan's walking along, looking at parts of the rocky outcropping that look familiar and parts that don't look familiar, and eventually finds the entrance to this fissure that you guys are, are squeezing down along inside. And do you have like a, a specific marching order at this point or any, any plan on how you're doing this? Or are you guys just like clammed up, fucking ready to lock and load, wander through this fissure down into the basin and see what comes? I mean, maybe, maybe, is it, I was going to say maybe Jody up front because like most perceptive and also good at catching arrows and not just getting hit with them in the chest. Well, you two are um, probably the most sneaky at the moment, right? I yeah. give the plus 10 to all of us. Oh, right. Um, what does pass that trace do? Gives you plus 10 stealth. Sick. So I should possibly still bring up the rear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then marching order. What, what do we think? I think Drazi, you, you don't need to be at the front because you're the squishiest, and also you can cast from a from a distance. I am squishy. Um, I mean, maybe I should be at the front if it's a group check anyway, because you're going to be able to get to them faster than me mm. if they're ahead of us. And we have Drazi in the middle in case we get attacked from behind, as unlikely as it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can just literally run over the walls and I, I don't need to be ahead to actually get ahead, if that makes sense. You yeah. Know? Yeah, okay. Well, then I'll, I'll take the rear. Okay, so Jody in the rear, doing kind of front. Okay, Drazi, great. Drazi in the middle, yeah. Let's do it. Um, and so are we doing a stealth check? Is that our thing? We're like moving Yeah, yeah, yourself? take your stealth check as you're passing through this fissure. Everybody, group check. All roll for Drazilia. Sorry, for... Excuse uh, me? Valeria and Elva. Whew. Valeria rolled fine. Elva rolled very well. Say a uh, 33 for Jody. <laughs> 24 from Duncan. A uh, 14 with plus 11. 
Oh. Wow. 30 from Elva and a 16, uh, sorry, a 19 with the plus 10 from um, So we got three plus 20. So rolled over 10. Pretty, pretty strong stealth. And uh, you guys proceed through this fissure silently, quietly, under a blanket of magical uh, quiet or stealth. And before too long, Duncan, after you sort of palm your hands along the wall of this familiar fissure. In fact, I will say just as a quick side note that something about running your hands inside these magical Sine gloves along the walls of this fissure feels different. It feels like... In the same way that Duncan remembers this area, the gloves themselves almost feel attuned to this this area. And soon enough, you find yourself at the mouth of the fissure that leads into the basin, leads into the quarry itself. You've got your sending stone, it's night time, and you can peek out with that stealth check around this crack in the rocky wall, uh, which is, as you know, obscured behind a boulder. So there's kind of this, like, big boulder on the ground right in front of the fissure, and you can kind of, like, peek your head around that boulder and, and get a lay of the land. And you just can so, see... Just for all time's sake, can we know what... Duncan knows about the stone. <laughs> yeah, dude. Take a stone history check. Good thing I have advantage because I rolled a one and a ten. Okay. Good difference. You know this stone. <laughs> you don't have any special insight about it. You've just physically been here before. <laughs> this particular rock. You're very comfortable with this particular stone wall. You're like, nice. I've walked through this channel before. That's the history of it that you recall. Nice. Um, as you peek your head around this boulder, you see the familiar quarry at Snakesbane Spring. Ahead of the boulder and up to your left is the zigzagging path cut into the side of the quarry that leads back up to Snakesbane Spring, your former home proper. Off to the right, you see the newly re-excavated mine entrance, maybe 200 feet off to the right, and you see a few things that give you a little bit of pause. On the right-hand side, around the entrance, you do indeed see several groups of black-clad soldiers holding formations. Now, these are Carthan military troops that live in a world of magic, and they're well-trained not to clump together. So they are dispersed into little subgroups that are separated from each other, but they don't look particularly on alert. They look like they're essentially on watch in these little groups. There's, you know, 25 to 30 of them all up. How many And groups? six groups. And they're kind of just spaced out around in, in like a little, a little semicircle around the, uh, the entrance to the mine. And at the top of the sort of uh, rough cut, like back and forth staircase that leads up to the town, oh, no. you see a handful of ballista <laughs> that are pointed in the direction of the main gate of town. Giant crossbow? Yeah, yeah. It's a ballista, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, at the top, and it's pointing at the city. Yes. No, okay, look, don't worry, don't worry. I'm using my knowledge metagame to assume that they can swivel around to shoot at us as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I played a video game before. 
you might use your military knowledge to think that these are probably their equivalent of like aerial defense if they were to need it and or ground so they're kind of like you know ro- yeah they're the rotatable <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i was yeah. like oh yes ballista the eternally maneuverable siege weapons like, <laughs> um, <laughs> never seen ones that you can't turn <laughs> there's one other thing that you notice which is a glowing light barrier around the entrance to the mine itself. Inside and the Yes, no notable leadership. Circle? Yeah, yeah, like across just the front entrance to the mine itself. I guess Duncan turns, describes the scenario to the two of you, and uh, says... I yell it down the line. <laughs> uh, and says, I guess it's time we signal the assault. Crazy suggestion. What if one or two of us go invisible... And when the fray begins, sneak through into the entrance, if possible. Elva says, I'm going to need to get over that entrance as quickly as possible. And ideally, if I could, I would love to have you, Dracilia, and you, Valeria, with me. You'll still be able to help in the assault from afar, but we might need additional magic hands on dispelling that barricade. Can the, can the three of you, do we... Elva, do you have an invisible? Do you have a second spell slot that you can burn for this? Like, are we able to? Can the three, three of you be invisible for that? They won't be able to take any action whilst invisible. I mean, no, no offensive action. No spells. No spells. Yeah, but they can spell something. No, but isn't like they can get close enough and hopefully like actually see what they need to do, and mm. then you know what I mean? Yeah. She she nods. She says she can get over there. Yeah, you'll be able to get over there invisible. But yeah, of course, by the time you're actually doing anything, you're gonna yeah. have to be <laughs> visible, and it's gonna be popping off. Yeah. Um. So I wonder yeah. if you and I go invisible, walk up to two of the groups, start killing. <laughs> Just like the good old days. <laughs> oh. uh, hey, uh, hey, I-, I would say um, if Drazilia casts it on two, Valeria casts it on two, and uh, Elva casts it on herself, then yeah, because Elva-, Elva doesn't have twin spell because she's not a sorcerer, <laughs> but Valeria has uh, has sorcerous magic. How far up the quarry are the ballistae? Up the top of the quarry, so they're like, you're kind of in the middle of the quarry. It's like maybe 200 feet over to the mine entrance, maybe 200 feet to the staircase, and then maybe 100 feet up to the top of the quarry. A little bit less than 100 feet, probably, but yeah, up to the top of the quarry. So it's like 500 foot, basically, from the entrance of the mine. Four or 500 feet, yeah. What if we proceed like this? We use invisibility, our three casters, they move towards the mine entrance to try and work our way through the magical barrier. Duncan, you position yourself to create as much chaos as possible once the assault starts. And what if I climb the quarry, get to the ballistae, and try and disable them or use them on our, our targets? Does that... Do, do you need me down in the fray, Duncan, or...? You know what? It might be a good idea. Let's do that. Um, Elva chimes up and says, Wait a minute, so you want to separate Jody? We can't risk you not being able to get into the mine with your piece. Oh, I'll, I'll be able to get into the mine, don't worry. This is sort of my, my specialty, don't worry. Like, if I need to make a 500-foot drop, I got a fucking cloak of gliding. Like, it's... Don't worry. Like, I, I'm i full of contingencies from dropping from a very high place to get to somewhere very quickly. This is sort of my thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not just the drop. You'd have to cover a lot of ground as well. But yeah, you'd be able to glide, I guess, halfway along the, the quarry floor and then run the rest of the way, probably. So so that's the plan. Duncan's going to create a distraction, take on as many of these guys as he can, whilst you guys get the barricade down and Jody runs up to disable the ballista. Perhaps give give me a head start before we start, but yeah. Yeah. We'll, get, right. we'll get into position and then once we're there... Where does signaling the assault to begin start in all of this? 
uh, I think we signal it as Jody heads out towards the Bill Estate because they have to, they're obviously, they're not like about to appear in the city because they've got hundreds of men that they can't move stealthily. We get them a signal now. Yes. They head in whilst they're heading forwards. Jody's getting to the yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I twin uh, invisibility using two sorcery points and cast it on Jody and Duncan. Uh, Valeria twins invisibility and cast it on herself and you, and Elva cast invisibility on herself. We got a minute. Oh, fuck. 60 seconds to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. We see the werewolf sitting in his command tent at Snakesbane Spring, drinking from a glass and contemplating a tome by candlelight. Suddenly a small alarm begins to sound in the space. The werewolf reacts quickly but without panic. He's already on his feet ready for battle by the time his officer is entering the tent. They're here sir, says the young woman standing before him. We're prepared for this soldier. Now take action, he calmly replies. She salutes and departs. The werewolf walks deliberately over to his prize prisoner, Garrick, still bound and gagged, and pulls him to his feet. Come along, Garrick. You've still got a big role to play in this game. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsett. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or still interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. G'day, HTW Laid fans. My name is Gianni. I'm from Pixel Sift, an Australian podcast award-winning video game show. On episode 141, we talked to Josh Sacco. He's from Melbourne's Deadleaf Games about Nom Nom Apocalypse, a game where all the world's food turned monstrous and is trying to eat you. Here's how he describes those enemies that you'll need to take down in the game. My goal was to create some that just felt chunky, like lobby, um like just very chunky and wet and uh yeah and then sort of monstery as well so just fangs and claws and stuff and then colorful as well so i wanted something that was very colorful on each and every episode of pixel sift we talk to a developer we find out what it takes for them to create and we break down all that gaming news so you can keep up to date you can listen to pixel sift on apple podcasts on spotify on pixelsift.com.au or wherever you listen to podcasts